Welcome back to the Soaring Sports Podcast. Today we'll be talking about a number of things, but starting off, we have Nadia with March Madness. Okay, so March Madness was over a month ago, and it's a really fun time for people who love to watch basketball to take place in the brackets, and you get to put money depending on who your group is and how much money, and you basically bet on what team you think it's going to win, and it's it gets really intense between people. And so the expected teams... That were to make it were Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, Illinois, Alabama, and those were kind of the final four and final eight predictions for who was going to make it. Overall, it was different this year because of COVID, and that's why people were kind of upset with the bubble and like how it was just in one place. Because for the first time, the tournament took place in one place ever, mm-hmm. so it was, the games were mainly played in Indiana. And teams were housed on certain floors within the hotel, and they were strictly separated, so you couldn't really interact with anyone else other than your team. There was socially distanced, like, meeting rooms and dining rooms for eating, so even though you were with your team, you were still, like, having to be put apart because of COVID. And a couple TikToks went viral um, from some of the Oregon women's teams about the workout facility that they had compared to the men's. They had, like, the men's workout facility had Olympic bars and weights, and it was a huge room compared to the women who were given, like, a set of dumbbells and yoga mats. And so that kind of happened at the start of the tournament. But as Backlash began to, like, take the news, the tournament didn't really want that, didn't want that publicity about the uh, inequality of the men and women. And so they immediately changed it. I know that the Oregon women's team, um, they got changed hotels because of it. Um, so right now the tournament is currently over, but the Baylor Bears won the tournament in the final game against Gonzaga, and the score was 86 to 70, so it was definitely a close one. Most people place their bets on the Gonzaga Bulldogs because of how good they are. Mm-hmm. I mean, they ended the season after March Madness with a 31 to 1 record. And the Bears ended their perfect record and ter- took the first loss of the season. The brackets are for more of the fans and people who love to watch the basketball tournament. People can bet money and the winner out of the group that gets the money. I know that Lizzie and I both participated in brackets this year, so I think we're going to talk about kind of how fun it was and like our experience towards that. Mm-hmm. If you want to start, Lizzie. Yeah, so um, one thing I just wanted to say with like the whole um, like championship game the interesting thing about it was, like, um, Gonzaga and Baylor, they had the um, best combined record that's ever, like, existed in the final two uh, for this tournament. So I thought that was cool. And I, like Nadia said, everyone expected Baylor, or not Baylor, Gonzaga to win because they hadn't lost a single game all year. And, of course, the single game they, they had lost all year was uh, the championship game. But um, in terms of my bracket, I only did one bracket this year, but I know my dad and brother did, like, multiple. Um, my bracket, I had Baylor winning, actually. Uh, let me... One second. Okay. So I did my bracket in, like, 20 minutes, which is probably not smart, but I had to do it right before it closed. So I had Gonzaga and Bama, Baylor and Tennessee all in the final four, and then I think I had Bama and Baylor in the championship. But Alabama got knocked out pretty soon. I know a lot of people also had um, Illinois winning, and they were, like, one of the first 
big like predicted teams to win to get knocked out. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But yeah, I had Baylor winning, so um, I was pretty happy about that. I think I ended up like 10th in the bracket out of like 60 or something. So yeah. Um, so I played with a bunch of kids from another school and there was about like 10 of us, so I ranked fourth. And I think it was really exciting each day just to, like go on your phone and see like kind of what was happening or if you're winning mm-hmm. or not. Because I've never participated in um, March Madness, so it was really like a fun experience just to like be part of something like that and just like keep up with like a sport I haven't really like played or like watched. Yeah. But I definitely learned a lot. And so um, for my bracket or for the final four, um, I had UCLA. Gonzaga, and then Baylor and Illinois, I believe. And um, it was just kind of fun to see the points going up and down and just, like, competing with other people, too. And I definitely watched more basketball than I ever have in my life just Mm -hmm. to see how it was going to turn out. So it was really fun to do, and I think I want to do more next year, too. Um, But, like, Gonzaga was definitely predicted to win. Mm -hmm. And, like, I even heard my dad talking about how they're predicted to win every year, but they always just, like, lose it in the finals. Um, But I was hoping this year that they'd kind of pull through with that. Uh, But a lot of people in my bracket had, like, literally the same exact teams to win. So it was kind of just, like, everyone was just doing what everyone else was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, But moving on, there was one player from Gonzaga who has taken a part a lot in like history at his high school and is also moving on to the NBA next year. Hopefully he can become one of the like top picks in the NBA draft. Um, so his name is Jalen Suggs. He became the first athlete to win Mr. Football and Mr. Basketball in Minnesota State. So he was a star in football and basketball and he left his high school as an all-time leading scorer with 2,945 points. And he led the team to three state titles. So he definitely had a lot of accomplishments playing basketball and football. And then later in college, took on um, basketball with the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And people are predicting him to be one of the top picks when he moves on to the NBA. More about the Bulldogs, Um, they became the first undefeated team since Indiana State in 1979 to enter a title game and lose, so they kind of like followed what Indiana State did, and even though they were a really good team, their legacy kind of dropped in a way, Um, and Gonzaga after the game said that Baylor held them down from every side of the game, mentally, physically, and they just outsmarted them completely and knocked them off the momentum, and Gonzaga actually gave, like, props to them because of how much they came prepared to the game and said that their aggressiveness was over the top, and that's what really allowed the Bears to win their March Madness title. And overall, like, there wasn't really much different this year besides COVID and everything and just, like, being in the bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it was an interesting experience all around for everyone and definitely... The women and men's inequality pay and like discrimination has been talked about since and it's kind of going to be changed for next year so i think it definitely left a mark on the tournament itself yeah i like how you talked about the inequality and like um i think it was great that it got like ncaa got exposed about that because those kind of things need to be brought to light um we need to keep like big sports leagues like that um, 
we need to hold them accountable. Um, we need to make sure that men and women are being treated fairly, you know. So I think that, like Nadia said, this is going to change things for next year, and um, it has already started changing things. And, like, I know a lot of people are gaining support for the women's tournament now because of what just went on. Yeah, and I think definitely it's not just for basketball or college basketball specifically itself, but for other sports as too, like a rise in like the women's soccer suing the um, soccer association for that as well. So I think it's definitely mm -hmm. starting more of a, like an indirect riot almost mm -hmm. on the sports community, which I think is really good because men and women's sports should be considered the same mm -hmm. in most aspects. Yeah, I totally agree. I also like how you brought up the whole, like, Jalen Suggs, I think that's how you pronounce it, um, yeah. thing. Because I didn't even know that he was a multi-sport athlete. And I think everyone knows that people who go to college for football and basketball are pretty legit. So I thought that was awesome. And then um, I also didn't know the fact about Gonzaga being the first undefeated team until the final game. Yeah, they since Indiana. Yeah, they definitely held a really high standing before the final, and they still do. Um, but Gonzaga really had the crown for most of the time, and Baylor was just really able to get in their heads, physically, mentally, use their own strategies against them, and outsmart them in ways that they haven't seen. And I think that's what really allowed the Bears to beat the Bulldogs and take the title. Mm -hmm. I think one thing. It's like a common term in sports is like you play down to your opponent. Yeah. So I, although Baylor was amazing, they did have a worse record than Gonzaga. And I think that Gonzaga, like you said, like they got in their heads about, wow, this is the final. We need to like play the best we've ever had instead of just keeping like doing what they were doing. So that's kind of why I picked for the underdog in this case, because I'm usually someone who roots for the underdog, so I was, like, really happy to see Baylor pull through with the win. Yeah, and I think it was um, really fun how some fans were able to go. Mm -hmm. um, there was still social distancing, masks were required, and there was also maybe cardboard, or cardboard cutouts, mm -hmm. right, sitting in the stands as well. So it wasn't completely isolated from fans, so you're still able to enjoy that experience. Mm -hmm. I know that I had a couple friends who went to the um, Colorado and Georgetown game Ooh, awesome. and got, like, front row tickets. So it was really cool to see all the pictures, and everyone was wearing their masks. I know that they gave them, like, hand sanitizing kits and everything they needed because I really wanted the full experience while still preventing COVID because we still are in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, but the stadiums were really nice. Like, they were just, like, legit stadiums, and everything looked super clean and professional. I think it was really interesting to watch. Yeah, um, with the COVID guidelines, I know last year, everyone in Colorado was looking forward to going and watching some March Madness games because CU was in the tournament last year. Um, but with COVID, like, erupting in 2020... It got canceled, but this year, C was in it again, but the only thing was we couldn't go. But, it, like, I think the crazy thing was, I mean, some people did go, but they had to leave the state, obviously, to do so. But one of the crazy things was um, the day CU got knocked out, I think, against Florida State, um, was the day the boulder shooting happened. So I think there was a bunch of tension within the players, um, if they even knew about it yet. Um, about like what was going on back home and trying to 
avoid all the stresses from outside of basketball and still focus on the game. Yeah, I definitely think it messed with their heads if they even knew or people outside watching because it was kind of like, I mean, it, I mean, the shooting made like national news. Like all eyes were on Colorado at the time and they still are. Um, the King Super Zip and Boulder is still closed and I think that mm-hmm. they might tear it down depending because so many people passed away that day. Mm-hmm. But definitely all eyes were on Colorado and kind of like what was happening. So it was kind of like a sensitive time, especially for being knocked out too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I know like I was following CU the most because CU is the college I want to go to. So I was like, I hope CU wins, but it's a long shot. So they're probably not going to. And then with my whole Tennessee in the final four thing, I don't even know why I did that. I, th- I think I was just like, I like Nashville. Let me pick Tennessee. And just because like, I always like picking like at least two underdogs to be in the final four. So that's kind of how I was determining that. Yeah, and I wasn't really sure even how to, like, pick my brackets. I mean, I knew nothing about basketball, considering, like, even college. Like, I know less about college basketball than I do about, like, NBA basketball. But I was just kind of, like, looking at the rankings, and I didn't just want to pick everyone who had a higher ranking because Mm -hmm. some of them were close and things happen. So I kind of just was like, oh, well, we'll try this. We'll try this. Mm -hmm. And, like, just kind of see what happens. Um, I know that some people, like, study these teams and know Mm -hmm. a lot about them and have like a lot of like knowledge about this so they probably had better brackets but I think for the first time like experience like not really knowing anything like I think I did pretty good picking because (laughs) um yeah but I knew that Gonzaga was really good so I was like oh maybe they'll pull it off this year yeah I think one thing a lot of people do and this is what I usually do is I pick like one team that's like pretty solid they're gonna win and then I put them in the final four, and then, like I said, I put two underdogs in, and then I put another team that could beat the other team. But I think what a lot of people do, there's, like, two types of people. There's people who go off all the, like, all the rankings, you know, and just pick the higher team for every one of them, which is not, like, a good technique because there's a bunch of upsets. And then there's other people who pick, like, almost all underdogs and rely on the upsets. So I think finding a good medium in between there and, like, studying, like you said, a bunch of people do is important. Yeah, I definitely think that there's a lot of strategies you can use and, like, some don't work, like, um, choosing the higher rankings. Um, I mean, the app, like, ESPN Tournament Challenge, which is the app I use, I think you can do it on, or, like, on the internet as well. But it definitely gave you, like, insight to each team and kind of, like, what their predictions were. So I kind of based my bracket off of what the app was saying Mm -hmm. and their statistics against each other and, like, in the season. And so I think that was really helpful in determining, like, kind of what my bracket wanted to be. Uh, so, like, basically, Nadia already talked about this a little bit, but one of the best parts about March Madness is that it's able to connect so many people. Like, there's not very many other countries who have have things like this with, like, college or university sports, and um, it gets a ton of attraction. And I feel like, although the tournament is very divided in terms of competition, it kind of unites everyone because it gets us all interested in one thing like you said like people who don't usually watch basketball or who who usually don't really get involved in sports get involved in brackets and so then they have an incentive to want to watch and it's just so much fun yeah I agree 100% I mean the teams are divided and it's all about who's gonna win and competition between each other but it's also about coming together and watch excuse me watching one game Mm -hmm. and at the end of the day like we're all united, and so I think it was a really fun way to 
kind of pull through even with the pandemic and everything going on with school and work and everything it was for sure a good way to kind of kickstart the beginning of the year in a way Mm -hmm. yeah definitely do you have anything else to say uh so now we're going to be talking about the national sports section of this podcast (laughs) all right guys so now we're going to be moving on to the national sports section of Sony sports so to start off we will be talking about the Nuggets, who are currently at a 40-21 and 21 record. And this is mostly because they lost, depending on who you're talking to, their star player. Um, him and Jokic, obviously. And their star player happens to be Jamal Murray, who got injured the other day in a game. And he actually tore his ACL. So yeah, he tore his ACL, and it looks like he is currently, or he just got surgery on it, so it is TBD as to when he will be back, but for now we can just wish him a quick recovery. I think it's pretty sure that he's not going to be returning for the rest of the season, so yeah, do you have any thoughts or opinions on this, Emmy? Um, well, okay, it's more of like a statement, but... Correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, weren't the Nuggets, like, projected to, like, win this year? Or maybe it was, like, last year? Because I know they were projected to be pretty good. Yeah, they were in the playoffs. They got pretty far into the playoffs last year. So they were a pretty good team going into this season. Um, But, you know, you can't prevent injuries. And in this case, you can't prevent one of your star players from getting injured. So it's such a bummer that Murray got hurt. But I think this is good for the Nuggets to learn to be more resilient and push through despite the struggles. Yes, it's a huge loss for Denver, but at least you'll start to see um, the smaller guys kind of get a chance, like Michael J. Porter. All right, so next up we have Manchester United in the Europa League. So currently they are awaiting the semifinals which they're going to be playing versus Roma and Villarreal. But the reason they got there is because they had an awesome win against Granada. It was a 2-0 win. And, yeah, so right now I think Manchester United is doing really good in terms of Europa. I think a lot of times they end up focusing more on league games, so EPL games, more than they focus on tournaments, such, such as, like, the FA Cup and Champions League. And I feel like this is like one of the few tournaments they're actually like taking the time to focus on and um, kind of just like use their best players and um, give it their all, you know. And I also feel like with this, they're like able to spread out their talent between league and tournament with this league. So uh, I think that's another reason for that is because the games are so spread out and they're so far into the stage that they're playing less teams, so it's a lot easier scheduling-wise, and they won't be playing when they just played, like, a day or, or like, two days before. So that's another great thing about this. And um, the times, the dates, I mean, for the semifinals are May 6th at 1 and April 29th at 1. Oh, sorry, I, I messed up earlier when I was saying that Man U was playing Villarreal next. So how the semifinals work is... Manchester United plays Roma twice. So, 
first game is at May 6th at 1 for Manchester United's playing Roma twice and then Arsenal's playing Villarreal twice. And obviously winner gets to go on to the um, finals. So yeah, wishing them luck. Next up, we are going to talk about the Premier League, which currently Man City's at the top of the table. They've been there for a while. Um, doesn't look like anyone's going to be able to catch up to them because they're so far ahead. They have 77 points, and the runner-up is Manchester United with 67 points. And um, it's pretty interesting because these two teams are both have a pretty large gap from the rest of the people or rest of the teams on the table because Leicester's in third with like 56 points or so. So that shows the distribution in the point range and how the top two teams are pretty much um, like taking over in terms of like points and it doesn't look like anyone's going to be catching up to either of those anytime soon. Um, so that's a little bit about Premier League. Do you want to talk about Stuff that's going on with the abs right now? Yeah, so now we're going to be moving on to the Avalanche update. So the Avalanche played, played the St. Louis Blues, and they played very sloppy that night. Um, the result was Braden Shin scoring the second goal of the St. Louis Blues, and they took a 2-0 to lead for the first intermission on five shots on a goal. Then David Perron got the Blues going early in period with a tip in the front of the net, which this allowed the Blues to be at a 3-0 lead. Nathan McKinnon kept his now 14-game point streak going when the Avalanche finally cashed in on one of the power plays. It was a bit different look for McKinnon. He took a shot from down low, which he doesn't normally do. The second period concluded with the Blues at a comfortable 4-1 lead with an eventual victory. But there was still an entire third period to get through, which was pretty much garbage time, with the Avalanche generating 22 shot attempts in 10 on goal. None of it was particularly threatening as the Blues held on to that 4-1 to lead for the final score. There was a lot of excuses for this game, one of which being that a lot of their team was affected with COVID-19. For example, their first and second goaltender were both out with COVID, so they were playing their third goaltender. After clinching the playoffs, the regular season is pretty boring for the Avalanche because they've already secured their spot. There's really nowhere to go but up. But the Blues have more to play for. They are sick of playing the same teams four times in a row, on and on. Just as of a couple hours ago, the Colorado Avalanche just made a contract deal with young defensive man Justin Barron. He is the 2020 first round pick that has signed a three-year entry-level contract with the Avalanche. When the Avalanche took their virtual podium last year to make their first round selections, many expected them to go with a forward since that's really what they need. But the team already had names like Samuel Garrard and Kale McCarr leading the way in the NHL. So instead, drafting for organizational needs, the Avalanche went with a player they deemed best available, a right-handed defenseman from the Mooseheads named Justin Barron. Soon after, concern emerged over Barron's future as he was diagnosed with a blood clot. The Mooseheads announced that he would be out indefinitely, but after missing some time, he received a clean bill of health. Barron joined Canada at the World Juniors in Captain Halifax this year, scoring 31 points in 33 games. 
That kind of style would make him perfect on the Avalanche in the coming years, who will now have more than enough of offense generated from their other young guns. Barron will turn 20 in November and should climb the depth chart quickly once he jumps into professional hockey. Since they have this new star-studded player, and I mean, they have a bunch of star-studded players, they have a really good chance to win the Stanley Cup this year. They have won nine out of their last 10 games, and they are favored to win in the West. But they do have some competition against defending Stanley Cup champions, the Tampa Bay Lightning, which are also pretty heavily favored among some people. But Colorado is so far projected to win the Stanley Cup due to its higher odds. Now we are going to be moving away from national sports and into Horizon Sports. First off, we have an exciting announcement about the track season. So uh, official practice just started on the 26th. So I'm pretty sure that was or yesterday, so that was Monday. So um, first meet is on May 5th. Uh, I think it, the time and the location is still to be determined, but this is just awesome because we're able to be playing this season. Um, next up, we are going to have Emmy kind of just like talk about the volleyball season because it just ended, and yeah. Yes, so the volleyball season just ended last Saturday for all the teams, and I would say we definitely fought really hard I know for the sophomore team that we fought extremely hard, I think, our last four games, and we won our last few games, which I was really proud of us for, and especially for it being our last few games. But yeah, overall, we played really well all season. So, um, I was just wondering, what was your experience with the whole playing volleyball, playing school volleyball during the pandemic and dealing with quarantines and dealing with game scheduling and all that. Yeah, so that was definitely difficult for I know all the teams. We had a lot of um, games get canceled on us just because of other teams from other schools were um, that they had COVID or they were around someone that had COVID. So a lot of our games got canceled. But and the towards the end of the season, varsity and the freshman team got quarantined, which was a big bummer for them. And luckily for the sophomore team and JV, they didn't get quarantined this year. But it was definitely very hard just with, because even though a whole team wasn't getting quarantined, you would have a few people gone yeah. on your team. Mm -hmm. So like, I know one situation, our sophomore team had three of our setters gone. Oh. And it was all of our setters. Oh yeah. So that definitely didn't put us in the best situation. So, yeah, this year it was just a lot of working kind of around things and just making it work. Mm -hmm. Oh, another question is just how was, like, the season in terms of length? Because usually the season is, like, about, like, a little over two months, right? And yeah. A certain amount of games, and you have space in between games. You have practice every day of the week, stuff like that. So give me your intake on that. Yeah, so I, okay, so our season was probably around, probably a month almost, exactly. Wow. And I definitely did not like that because I love playing for Horizon. And that just felt like such a short amount of time. Like, I felt like we literally just tried out, and now our season's already over. So that's yeah. just kind of crazy to me that we've only been playing for a month, and then we'll have to try out again in the fall. So it's kind of like, yeah. I don't know. 
it's very short. And I'm not a huge fan of how short it was. Yeah, so we definitely understand why our season needed to be short, obviously, because of COVID. But also, like, the how the season A, season B, season C, season D, or whatever. Like, even, like, track is kind of on, like, a mm-hmm. time crunch. Yeah, definitely. Because you need to fit in those other seasons, too. Because, like, the school year is almost over. And season C just finished. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was just been a huge, like, time crunch this year. Yeah, um, another question is, in terms of fans, I know a lot of sports weren't, especially indoor sports like basketball, they weren't able to have fans, and at the end of the season, they were allowed to have only parents as fans, so how does that work with your volleyball season? Yeah, so that was definitely different depending on kind of place to place where we went, but for Horizon, we were allowed two people, just anyone, it didn't need to be parents, it could have been a parent and a friend, or really whatever. And I know if, like, one of your parents were just was, like, line judging or refing or something, you were allowed to bring three people. Mm-hmm. So, but, like, at other schools, it was really different wherever you went. Like, mm-hmm. really, whenever we went up north this season, we were allowed four people, like, to come to our game. So I'm assuming their rules are probably just a little less strict up there than ours are up here. But, like, when we went to Mountain Range, we were only allowed one parent. Oh. So it's, it, it was definitely varying from place to place in what their protocols were. But generally up north, you were allowed more people. Um, so the season has ended officially, right? Yes, it has. Are there plans? Is your team or coaches making any plans yet as of, like, spring and summer workouts? Because I know... Listeners watching are probably concerned on if you want to if you're interested in volleyball, what can you do over the summer? Incoming freshman, how can I get involved in the volleyball program at Horizon? Yes, so um, as of now, I'm not really sure if there's anything like summer programs or anything really like that going on, but I can almost bet you that there's gonna be something happening. Like even with COVID last year during the summer, we still had like volleyball open gyms that you could go to and at least how it worked for last year was um the varsity coach Devo sent out an email to everyone and you would basically put your name on a list Mm -hmm. and then he would pick what team he thought you would make and people with your skill level Mm -hmm. but you're kind of broken up into all these different like little groups at different times Mm -hmm. for social distancing so I'm assuming it'll probably be something similar mm-hmm. this year. But I also know there were workouts last year. Not very many. There was a few. But I would say if you want to join the volleyball program next year, I would definitely recommend going to those workouts and definitely recommend going to those open gyms because that will definitely help you get on a team. Um, one last question about this. So you're obviously involved in the volleyball community. How is the community? Do you like the community? Is it welcoming and mm. is it a good environment? What are your favorite parts about the people you play with? Yes, that is that is a great question, actually. So I would say generally the volleyball community is very, like, kind and encouraging. Mm-hmm. I feel like whenever I've played volleyball, I really haven't ever run into anyone that's, like, not encouraging and, like, doesn't really like you. I feel like everyone's pretty nice. And just like everyone gives each other everyone gives each other high fives constantly and it's always such a good environment. Everyone's always cheering for you. 
even if you swing the ball into the net, mm-hmm. or even, even if you serve the ball into the net, shank a pass, everyone's still giving you high fives mm-hmm. or cheering you on, and they're encouraging you to mm-hmm. make a better play next time. Mm-hmm. So I think volleyball is just a great community. especially. And if you want to make friends, then yeah, I would join the team. Yeah. Because you'll definitely make some friends. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that's the same thing for track. Yeah. Um, I One thing I could say about cross country especially was my freshman year, I did summer workouts before. And the reason I'm still running today, despite the pain of running, is the community. I've never been in a community more welcoming than that. So, like Emmy said, if you're interested in volleyball, if you're interested in cross country, definitely look at joining summer workouts if they're offering them this year, which I think they are because we were allowed to do some form of them last summer. But, yeah, I think um, the unique thing about Horizon as a school and relating Horizon to sports is it's so welcoming. We have so much school spirit, and at the end of the day, it's not about competition. It's about community, and it's about how we can unite and you know, use our talents. Um, We all each have our own individual talents in sports and use those together to create a team and make friends. I know most of my friends I have today are from sports. So definitely look at sports if that you're interested in. You don't even have to have experience with it, especially running. I mean, as long as you have legs, just (laughs) go out there. And so I just encourage you to join some sports here at Horizon. Um, Finishing up this podcast, we're going to be talking about the boys' soccer season. So, I mean, you you had the same season as the boys' soccer season, right, Em? Yeah, we were playing at the same time. Yeah, so that's not normal because in a normal year, the boys' soccer um, season is during the fall. So it's usually at the beginning of the year during cross-country time. And this year it was season C, so during, like, like late winter early spring season and so just wrapping up their season it looks like they had a two and eight record they I think they were fourth in the 5a front range league or whatever the our region you know they were fourth in that and um one big upset we had over the season was definitely the loss against our pretty much rivals legacy um we lost 6-0 to them, which makes sense because Legacy is a really talented team. But, yeah, that was a wrap-up of, wrap of boys' soccer. I know their season also got cut short because they started way later and they ended way earlier because we have to fit in girls' soccer and track and all that stuff. But to wrap it all up, um, like, if you're interested in track or volleyball or any of these sports we're talking about, definitely contact coaches, contact your counselor, um, and upperclassmen. Yeah. Like, I feel like not many people would think of that. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you know someone that plays, like, volleyball or track, I would highly recommend reaching out to someone, like, on varsity or that's just an upperclassman and knows, like, what to do or Mm -hmm. how to get into the program. Yeah, for sure. Or advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, the people who made cross-country so welcoming for me were all upperclassmen. Um, That was a wrap-up on today's episode. We hope you enjoyed our coverage of March Madness, a little bit of national sports. And Horizon Sports. Bye! Thanks, guys.